0: It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises unto thy name, O most high, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Let us bow our hearts and heads in silent preparation. Let us pray. We gather this morning, God, by the call of your word, and we are gathered here to worship and praise you, Lord, to hear your word, to sing praises before you, to bring these prayer requests, God, as your people by the blood of Christ Jesus, to admit and acknowledge our sins, God, as we have yielded to temptation when we should not have, when we have not prayed, when we've forgotten to read our Bible, and whatever uh, sins and omissions, Lord, that we have done in our lives, God. Acknowledge them before you, Lord, and plead the blood of Christ Jesus, asking for your forgiveness that you promised in the gospel, Lord. And you are not uh, a God who... Would hold back on your word, which you have given us, your word, Lord, for you are faithful and just and true. We thank you for your mercy and your love that are new every morning. We're thankful, Lord, for the love that we have in Christ Jesus and for the love that we have for one another. These blessings you've poured upon us, Lord, even during this uh, difficult time in our nation's life, Lord. We have still many wonderful things and security and a roof over our head and access to food and even good food, Lord, and medical care. These things are from your hand, Lord, from your special providence for your people in particular, and we're thankful for that, God. We pray, Lord, and ask for our families that you'd be with those, Lord, that we love, grew up with, parents, Lord, our siblings, our cousins that we've known for many, many years, Lord. Those who are not saved, pray for their salvation, God. We know, and it's very difficult in our families. It is easy for people to turn us off because. Uh, They knew us when we were little kids, and they remember us in the worst light, perhaps, Lord, as an excuse not to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are stymied. We plead the blood of Christ Jesus. We plead for your mercy and
1: strength, God, to save our brothers, our sisters, our siblings. We ask, Lord, that we would be patient, we would persevere, and never stop praying for them.
0: We pray for love. And our families, God, love and patience and forbearance and a desire, Lord, to do the right thing. We pray, God, for protection of our families from the wicked government around us that would do what it can, it seems, more and more, tear down the support structures that we had in society that reinforces our families and protects them, Lord, and reinforces godliness and holiness, as we will hear this morning. Be with our children in particular, particular, God, that they would love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That they, Lord, would be quick to cover the sins of their parents and the sins of the sea around them, and to emulate uh, the true and the righteous and the holy God, and that we as a church would be good examples to our families, and to one another, Lord, to reinforce such holiness, positive reinforcement, certainly, Lord, and through admonitions as needed, God, and warnings. We ask, Lord, that we would be stewards, that we would be those who love you, not only with our mind, but with our hands and the Resources you've given us, Lord, time and money, to use it right unto your glory, help those in particular, Lord, that are closest to us, that we have the greater responsibility—that is, uh, our husband, our wife, our children, Lord; those of our household, grandparents, God; close friends of the family, Lord; those near us as our neighbors and our church, particular. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to use the money, talents, the abilities that you've given us or one another, and therefore show love to one another. Help us, Lord, to persevere in this, not to be discouraged, not to be weary, not to give up, God, but rather think of new ways, if need be, Lord, or certainly to be satisfied, God, if there's very little that we can do, to accept your providence. This could be hard to be sure, Lord, for some of us that are especially extroverted, very people-oriented, Lord. Nevertheless, God, we pray that we would do what we can with what you've given us as stewards in your household. We pray for our Presbytery God, that you would be with her this week as we have our formal meeting twice a year, that it would go well, that it would go better than well, Lord. It would go towards uh, what is needed to keep the Presbytery united and focused upon the truth and their duty and their responsibility. We pray for the various committees, uh, Lord, and uh, the works that they have in the Presbytery that we're not always aware of and the reports they're going to be giving, Lord, that they they would be useful committees, that they would be helpful committees, that they would have reports, Lord, that are expressive and useful for the Presbyterian, even us, Lord, to pray about and to be aware of, Lord, as much as we need to be. We ask, Lord, for all the commissioners to be protected in their travels there and back, God, and that they would have a restful time, even in the midst of the busy work that they have for two days. We pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters who are in the military, we know We have some in this church, Lord, and some who are going uh, from this church as well, that you would protect them and watch over them, that you would uh, use the military, God, as a a good and a positive in their life, Lord, for whatever they may need it for in the how many years that they are in, that you would protect them from the craziness that's been going on in our society and is now even bleeding into the military. And so, God above, help give them wisdom, give them uh, perseverance, Lord, and give them access to good faithful churches and preachers, Lord, and that they would stand firm, that they would persevere, that they would be stubborn in the best sense, Lord, and stubborn for your cause and for your holiness, as we'll hear this morning, God, when they are given to temptation, that is, they are surrounded by temptation in the military. Uh, as a number of us have been in the military, we know what it's like, uh, God, and
1: uh, we ask that you watch over these young men. In your name alone we pray. Amen. Let us turn to 1 Peter 1.16. 1 Peter 1.16. I almost didn't preach this. It was, ah, do I want to do a third sermon? It's not like my church is struggling with holiness and we're just
0: running around like a bunch of heathens and need, <laughs> need church discipline all the time. No, our providence has been especially blessed that way over the years. But I think you do need encouragement.
1: You need defense. Uh, We'll do that after the sermon text. Uh, You need, I, I think, an uplifting to stand firm in your holiness
0: in a day and age in which even people in the church are making excuses for sins and watering down holiness. It is everywhere. And so I want this sermon... Uh, not to beat you up, but rather to lift you up and to pray for you and pray for one another to be holy no matter what. Let us listen attentively to the Word of God, First 1 Peter 1.16. Be holy, for I am holy. Let us pray. With these words, God above, you give us the call of the Christian life to be holy, Lord, for your glory. Help us to that end, we pray, that the holiness that is our call, whatever vocation and calling in life that we have, that we would adhere to it no matter what the world says and no matter how much they may mock us. In your name alone we pray,
1: amen. The battery must have died. You know, Tesla, 100 years ago, Tesla, the
0: engineer, whiz scientist, understood wireless technology and wanted to set up a huge tower in New York City on uh, Ellis Island to transmit wirelessly power. And you can imagine what the oil companies thought about that, right? So it didn't happen. He was a man ahead of his time, and we're still behind the times from him. Anyways, so,
1: um, I guess you didn't quite hear my prayer. We will read the Ten Commandments, and then we'll go into the sermon. <laughs> Let us read the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am
0: the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor know your son nor your daughter. Know your male servant, know your female servant, know your cattle, know your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Hear also the words of our Lord Jesus, how he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And what I read was the revealed will of God for us to be holy. Ten commandments are a summary of God's holiness that he requires of us. And the summary of that summary is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That is the life of holiness. That is the life I wish for us to grab a hold of, hang on to, and never let go. As you have the Spirit of God in you, you shall never let go. To have a holy life, no matter what the world says, no matter what churches do. One reason why we read the Ten Commandments is it helps reinforce the call of holiness, especially in the midst of a perverse and twisted generation. So that we leave on Sunday with the truth in our hearts again. The Christian life is a call to follow Jesus, we are told, and that is certainly true. He tells us to take up our cross and to follow Him. You don't hear that as much, but it's certainly true. And to our flesh, that is the remnants of a sinful lifestyle that many of us grew up with before we were converted. It is a cross to follow Jesus Because following Jesus means traveling down the path of holiness and saying no to sin. Our church has been blessed in particular, as I pointed out earlier, that we take holiness seriously, we hate sin, we love righteousness.
1: However, much we seek a holy life, we still struggle, even as a church, because we're not
0: perfect yet. This is partly due to our own fleshly limitations, that Even the best of us still struggle with temptation, and that struggle will be there until Christ returns. We should not turn a blind eye to that reality, but rather equip ourselves and equip our minds, preached on earlier in Peter, to recognize that fact and prepare accordingly, to gird up our minds for the call of holiness Yet we also have outside pressure, not just the inward temptations and where our mind goes, but outside temptation and pressures, the sinful world in particular around us. They are trying to crush holiness every day, it seems. When you read the newspaper, when you wake up in the morning to watch the news, you read yet another act of atrocious wickedness. And not just individual acts, but policies and decisions, not just by the government, but by big business, by the military and others to inexorably push wickedness and crush the holiness of our lives. And so this sermon is here to build you up in holiness, to stand firm against the crushing lies of the world, the world that mocks you, that berates you, that even threatens you because you're just too holy for them. Although I know you don't feel holy
1: many times. But you shall and will stand by the
0: power of God in a life of holiness no matter what. So let us see that here in this important text. Be holy, God tells his people, for I am holy. We ought to have a holy family no matter what, the world says to us. Men, you are called to be holy. The world wishes to crush your holiness. Crushing of the holiness of men, we have seen, unfortunately, even in the churches that have wrongfully permitted divorces. I've seen it with my own eyes, making excuses, because as we know, the world more and more says the problems that we have are because of what? The patriarchy, because of men. We just had less men in control of things, life would be better. And, you know, you have many godly men in your life, perhaps, or just one or two, and you see them, and you think there's no way they're getting crushed. They are. Men can get crushed, too, when over and over again, year in and year out, the media, politicians and the like, even last year, that organization that ran rapid across this country has written into into their code to crush patriarchy. There it is. And you had politicians bowing their knee to an organization that says, crush patriarchy. They're trying to destroy your holiness, men. Another way of doing it, by telling you that you're Worthless to telling you that your job and duty to protect the family, to stand up for the truth, to protect your wife, to lead the family, to lead the church, to lead your wife, is somehow wrong and wicked and crazy. They're trying to crush your call and your walk of holiness. Look at it that way. That's exactly what it is, an attack upon you, an attack upon God behind that because he's given you that responsibility. And loose divorce laws have undercut that for generations now majority of women are at least 50-50 the last i saw if not more uh, initiate divorces on on biblical divorces i mean in particular and of course the financial burden that brings upon men society hates men i already mentioned that as well wishing to crush the holiness, the holy call that they're given. Because the holy call, as you recall, last time I mentioned, is not, oh, I get to be a pastor, no one asked me to be a pastor. It's not, you read a Bible all day. It's doing your calling, a vocation in your life. And as a man, you have a calling and vocation in life. As a husband, as a father, as a leader, even if it's a leader of only one or two people at work, it's still a calling that you have. And the hateful rhetoric against you, against males and the patriarchy, is at all high, all time high over and over again. I have a collection of it for my grandchildren. I keep a collection of all the stuff that's going on in the last five years. Snippets, just screenshots, boom, there it is, there it is, there it is. There it is. You see the pattern. It's atrocious, just in five-year life, life, uh, lifespan. And as in fact, I'm not going to give you the, the, the particular statistics, but as in fact led to an all-time high, all high of drug use and suicide among men. Among men, just among men. And they're just now starting to notice that some of the experts are like, yeah, we've seen this trend in the last 10 years, and it's getting worse. And no one's actually investigated very much other than the last uh, administration set up a, an opioid uh, task force, as I recall, to look into the opioid abuse. That's the drug abuse I'm referencing. It's mostly men killing themselves, working-class men killing themselves. Something going on there, and I, was, I would submit to you part of it is the flagrant hatred against men and the responsibility they've been given, especially, of course, Christian men, because for them it's a holy responsibility. Stand firm in holiness, men. Lead your family, love your wives, work hard, and keep trusting God no matter what the world tells you. Women, be holy. Stand firm in the holiness that God has given you by the power of the Spirit. The world wishes to crush you as a woman as well in your holiness. The long-standing pressures in
1: society to rebel to rebel have been there even before the 60s. Pressure to put work over home and family and children.
0: That being a mother with a husband and a child is looked down upon. It's literally looked down upon
1: in more and more circles. They've even done studies on these things. What you are told by God's word is ridiculed
0: by the world. They think you're a Neanderthal. They wish to crush your holiness, brothers and sisters, sisters in particular. Peter unpacks the holiness that you are called to in 1 Peter 3, one. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that is unbelievers, you have an unbelieving husband, and some of you have had that in your past.
1: That without a word, they may be won by the conduct of their wives. The world mocks that. They mock you. They wish to crush you, that you would fall
0: apart and give up on God. Don't. You shall not. You will not. For God says, be holy, for I am holy. And that's how you express your holiness as a woman. One way, at least. And it's one way, of course, that's being over and over again, even more than patriarchy, at least longer time frame than patriarchy, overtly, right? At least since the 60s. We're, we're the same. We're, we're equal, they say, although there's a difference. There's obvious differences between men and women. They hated those differences. They hate women. Stand in holiness. The world is watching and mocking you. But the women of the church are stronger than that by the power of the Spirit within you. Follow Jesus means you can withstand the crushing lies and pressure of society, women, to be holy as He is holy. Families, of course, children are included in this. Be holy, have a holy family. That includes both the husband and the wife cooperating with each other unto the goal of holiness, of following God's law and thought, word, and indeed. That the world may see that we take your holiness, God's holiness, seriously. They wish, in particular, here to crush children. I've seen a lot of that in my book. Recently, I'm not even going to... (laughs) A young
1: rapper who says, I am targeting youth. He says that. And of course, there's all kinds of people targeting youth now. Where he did a video with the devil. Targeting children. Why? Because they wish to crush the holiness in the church
0: the holiness that's growing in our children. Pray for them. Stand firm against the wickedness around us, adults and children, parents and
1: child. They want our children to imitate them and live that wicked lifestyle. Children, it's fine to be ignorant of the worldly influence. You may feel like you're missing something, but you're not.
0: Wickedness was bad when we were children. It's two, three times worse now. They want you to follow the trends of the world. They don't want you to be holy. They wish to crush your holiness, children. And you can stand firm against that. The church can help you. Your parents can help you. Children, obey your parents. That's one of the most clear calls of holiness that you have. Stand firm in that holiness. Parents, teach your kids that holiness. Teach by example. Teach by forgiveness, repentance, and practicing such. And stand firm and be holy, families. Be committed as Joshua was committed. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, no matter what, is what he's saying, isn't it? No matter what the world does and says. No matter what you may have to do, you may have to shut down the internet and throw out that TV to protect your child. I don't know. Holiness in society, no matter what, this is what we are called to do and to be as Christians. We don't believe we're supposed to take our light and put it under a bushel, do we? No. Whatever. We go in this world, we walk down the mall, we go to work, we go to 4-H club. That's society I'm talking about there. We are called to be holy in our actions and conduct
1: as best as we are able to, to even be at peace with other men. To stand in a holy love in society, where society doesn't want a holy love anymore. They wish to
0: twist our love, destroy our love, the crushing influence of society, the pressures upon us, the world mocks you for prioritizing love. Talked about and preached about the priorities of love, right? They mock you for prioritizing love, claiming you don't love enough if you don't give up your love on your family and God. When different loyalties conflict, and they do, because you're a patriot, right? And you, you love your fellow American, especially those close to you that you know in particular, of course. But you're, you're call to have that kind of compassion and love. But when you have a conflict between them and your family, who are you going to pick? You know what you're going to pick. You're going to pick your family. That's prioritizing your love. And the world hates that. They're like, stop, stop that. They don't say that overtly. What they say is, you
1: don't love me enough. Where's your love for me? Why don't you give me more money more time? Loving your family more than you love other families is not hating other families. The world will tell you otherwise they're lying. They don't want to
0: crush your call of holiness. Part of the call of holiness in society is having the right priorities, the ordering of loves, right? The concentric circles. You love those closest to you. It's just a matter of common sense. You don't even need the Bible. Unbelievers know this. They're being taught lies and gaslighted about this. You only have so much time and effort, you're going to spend it mostly on your family. That's fine. That's okay. That's good, in fact. It's holy. It's a holy act. And then whatever you have left over, you give to your close friends. You give to the church. And as the circle gets wider, the community gets broader, you do less and less and to, to, to the point that, you know, strangers, what do you know about strangers other than in the abstract, if something come, came down to it and you ran across them, you'd still be nice to them. But that's probably about it. You don't have time for strangers. But the world tells you, spend more time with strangers and less time with your family with those close to you. They want to turn upside down the call of holiness by crushing love. Strangers, yes, but they're the last to love when you prioritize love and you have to prioritize love. And again, they wish to turn that on its head. Our compassion is being taken advantage of as we heard during prayer requests. Family and friends, of course, those are the first that we're supposed to love in this world, the family in particular. Loving our wives even more than our Children, if there's a conflict, the children have to be quiet and submit.
1: Protect the wife sometimes. Of course, loving our children enough to discipline them. Because if we don't discipline them, the world will discipline them unto ungodliness. And of course, God is the first to love over all.
0: When families tempt you to follow another God, you must follow God and not the family. And you have, and you will. That's the call of holiness, and the world wishes to crush that. Don't give up. Keep fighting brothers and sisters. God is holy and he's called you to a life of holiness, that means prioritizing in love so that we have a holy society, a rightly ordered society. And a related point to that is to stand in holy honor. Not love broadly, but more specifically a concrete action of love, honor. In Proverbs 16:31, you're supposed to rise up to the hoary head, right? To the aged, to respect and honor them. And again, society. Just watching last year we saw they wish to crush and destroy the honor we gave our forefathers. Did they sin? Oh yeah. Did we suffer the consequences for it? Last I checked, we had the greatest number of lost lives in a single war because of it. But apparently it's not enough for some people. It's just not enough. The holiness is enough because we have justification in God in Christ Jesus.
1: And we don't have to have the sin of our past weigh us down. Individually or collectively. Calvin, I like this quote,
0: Let us learn that where there is an accepted custom, and it is a good and decent one, we must accept it. There are many customs that we have that make us Americans, as opposed to Japanese, for example. And they have many customs that aren't necessarily wrong. You know, obviously ignoring the uh, forefather worship they have on the on the hills. But other than that, there's different things different cultures have to express custom ways of, in particular, customs that honor our forefathers. That's why we have. statues. (laughs) statues. <laughs> so we have parks, and sometimes we have laws named after them, and things like that. And Calvin continues, and whoever tries to change these good and decent customs is surely the enemy of common good, and should be held in abomination and pointed out as a troublemaker. Calvin was a conservative. He wasn't quick to change custom. He had to have a good reason to change custom. A violation of the fifth commandment, I would argue. That's essentially what Calvin's saying. Because customs are carried over generations. In fact, the laws and the freedoms that we have, brothers and sisters, given to us in the promise of the Constitution was from whom? Our forefather. See that? There's a generational connection we must maintain. To destroy it would actually get rid of our freedoms. Because they're promises encoded in law, given to their children and their grandchildren. That's what the Constitution is. You never thought of it that way. And attacking our forefathers that way and undermining uh, the best of our history is an attack as a way of crushing the call of holiness in which we we're supposed to honor our forefathers. And I know, again, we've not had that particular problem. And God has indeed blessed us with those, with a church that loves and honors and respects and even acknowledges the sins of our forefathers in a right, proper manner. It is the call of holiness in a society to have a right, order, love and a right honor of our forefathers. And thirdly, we are called to be a holy church no matter what. Not just a holy family, not just a holy society, but a holy church in the midst of a twisted and crooked generation to stand
1: firm for Jesus Christ no matter what the world says. To stand firm for the Lord's holy day.
0: Again, I'm picking things not to pick on you, but when I see society attacking of your call of holiness. That you would stand firm and, and reinforce the girding of your mind, the equipping of your soul to do the right thing no matter what. They wish to crush your rest, brothers and sisters. More and more companies expect you to work on Sunday. In fact, Amazon, I found out about a year ago, I didn't know this, and you know, one day, my shipment comes in on Sunday. I'm like, this... This has never happened before. What? What Sunday? What's going on? I, I Google it. Oh, you have to opt out if you don't want it delivered on Sunday. Wh- what? And of course, it's not the easiest place to find in their you know, Byzantine <laughs> back end to figure out your name and where to go and your account information. Oh, there it is. It's under the address book, as I recall. So go to your address book, click off of it. Christian schools, this has been going on for decades. This is just shameful. They're trying to crush the Lord's Day and do crush the Lord's Day by insisting on having sports on Sunday. And your children got to miss worship because it's more important to play sports. Pressuring families when they should be supporting your holiness. Trying to crush you, brothers and sisters. Stand firm. Don't let them crush the Lord's Day. Now, the physical rest that we get to avoid unnecessary work on the Lord's Day is indeed a blessing given to us again by our forefathers who enshrined religious or in particular, as you know, historically Christian liberty was the emphasis there. And so we had the Lord's Day laws. They had Sunday laws. They didn't have Saturday laws. That should mean something, right? (laughs) Again, that's given to us by our forefathers, and we're honoring them, we're maintaining that, and that was a good thing, and it's being destroyed and cut under. Now, of course, I know know it's harder and harder to avoid working on Sunday, and sometimes you have to or you lose your job. God knows that, and you do what you can. The church knows that. We're not going to come after you. Because the Lord's Day is made for man, not man for the Lord's Day. And so there are those kind of exceptions. But when you can, press back, stand firm, and the Lord's holy day day that he's given us, and teach our children so they grow up with a holy day. Not only for physical rest, of course, but for spiritual rest especially. Make effort to attend church, to feed your soul, to be with the saints, to be encouraged. You're not the only one out there trying to be holy. You're not alone. Prayer time is a good time to learn what's going on in the church and to pray one another, instruction, of course, not just on Sunday, but especially on Sunday as a day of spiritual rest, Bible reading, church history and sermons, you can do throughout the Lord's Day. My family and I uh, listen
1: to R.C. Sproul sometimes in the afternoon. Uh, We started reading a history book on church,
0: work of God, essentially, in the church read a little bit of that you see how God's special providence has protected the church throughout the ages to encourage you, to strengthen you, to give you good memory and thoughts throughout the week that God loves His people and you're one of His people and He loves you. And of course, fellowship on Sunday is important, especially in the last 30, 40 years, because we don't live near the churches we go to. Your parents, and maybe some of your older ones, grew up going to the local church because there was a local church to go to. We don't have that anymore, in fact. More and more people are encouraged to fragment society and go off and live without your family and live in another state and never see your family ever again. Mostly because it's easy, you can get a better job. But we often aren't told the downside, which is you don't grow up with your grandchildren, you don't grow up helping your parents. Your support structure is now cut off emotionally and relationally in many ways. And the Lord's Day is a day we're finding more and more where we can come together together because we don't live near each other in the same community. I would love that. To wake up in the morning, you can watch me mow and see how bad I'm at it or something like that. What's the pastor up to now? Keep an eye on him. But well, they did. They kept an eye on the pastor. Of course, the pastor kept an eye on you. <clears throat> but you knew each other. You weren't strangers. It's hard to know people if you only see them on Sunday, maybe during the week, once a week. And we try. We've done very well considering and providence. I'm very impressed. Keep doing it. The Lord's day is yet another day to reinforce holiness to stand firm against the world that wishes to tear down the Lord's day, a day of holiness. Stand firm in loving the church when the world hates the church more and more, even in a country
1: that was founded on those being persecuted and wanted freedom for the church because they loved the church.
0: John 13.35 By this Jesus tells his disciples, by this all will know that you are my disciples. Who's he talking about? Well, the world will know that you are Christ's disciples. The world's going to know. How's the the world going to know? How's your neighbor going to know? How is the politician going to know? How is big business going to know? If you have love for one another, and to tie it into the second point, to have a holy society no matter what, where they turn on top of its head the priority of love, Where they're told, you're supposed to love a stranger more than your church and your family. This is one of the ways in which they pressure the church. Why aren't you doing more to feed the poor? Uh, Because we're a church, and we're not a feed-a-poor institution. That's not what we're called to do. you happen to be able to do that, good. Do it carefully. Uh, If you remember the OPC lesson in the 30s and 40s, 40s in Korea, where we had rice Christianity. You gave people food, and they converted because they got food, and then they were gone. And the church is hated. There was a recent uh, vandalizing of a church saying, and it sprayed on the door, You know, why aren't you feeding more people? Because in their, in their world, the unbeliever doesn't see the church as a spiritual institution there to feed the soul and to protect Christians in particular, to show the world that you have love for one another. But they think it's there as a social institution to take care of their problems. Wrong prioritization of love. Stand firm, brothers and sisters, when the word world wishes to throw it in our face. What's wrong with you? Don't you love people enough? Yeah, we're loving one another. We ought to put more and more resources, as we are seeing, I hope, towards the church, to help one another in the church. That means schooling. we love to have a Christian school. That requires coordination and having less money flow out of the church. I mean, in terms of ties and giving to parachurch organizations. Obviously, you have other priorities with your money. To help those in the church. The world may know that we love one another. That's what we're called to do. Keep it up. Do what you can. We're a small church. and We've done it. I've seen you do it. Don't let the world make you feel guilty. Don't let them abuse your compassion.
1: Love the church, brothers and sisters.
0: And there's various ways to love the church. One is not to be so quick to point out her errors to the world. It's a similar thing with your parents, right? You know they sin. You've seen their sin, and some of their sins they probably still have. Maybe they have a short temper, and here he is, seven years old. What's his problem? He still has a temper. You're going to shout it from the rooftops? My dad's still got a temper problem. He's 70. Same thing. You wouldn't do that because you're honoring your father. You're not lying about the sin. You're just like telling the whole world about it. Same with the church. And I've seen that, unfortunately, people, Christians, so quick to pile on the church. There's a thing in conservative circles called engage left, punch right. You engage thoughtfully with the moderates and the the liberals. You're right, liberals and moderates. we got some problems over here, and the conservatives, they they got some issues and whatnot. I agree, I agree, but they're not quick to defend the right. The conservatives, in the church, I've seen it. Don't let them crush you, because that can be very crushing. Like, well, who's going to stand for holiness anymore? What's going on here? No, stand firm. Don't let them crush you. Love the church, brothers and sisters. And be wary, and don't be so quick. I don't think you have been. And warn others. Don't be so quick to criticize the church publicly when the people are watching us. Fellowship during the week are various ways to show love, as, as you know, because you've done it. Letters, phone calls, lunches, prayer, daily, rotate through topics, write it down, whatever could help you carry on to show love, cause, means, occasions, and provocations there unto, to reinforce your love for one another as a church, brothers and sisters. Romans 12.
1: Have tender, brotherly love for one another almost as though you're part of a family. Allotting money and time to give
0: those in need in the church, as I said here, defending the church, defend her honor, promote faithful churches and leaders. The world may know that we take holiness seriously, that we push back against the lies to crush the holiness of loving one another, brothers and sisters. Don't give up. Persevere. God, who has said, I am holy, has called you to holiness, not because... He wishes to trip you up, and He's just playing a game with you. When He has given you that call, He giving given you that ability, because you have the Holy Spirit, and you can't have the first steps of holiness in this life, and you have. You've had love for one another, and don't let the world lie to you about it. And you continue to have love for one another. Keep it up. A holy life means standing firm in holiness, no matter what the world says, brothers and sisters, no matter how much they mock us, no matter how much they try to pressure us and make us feel guilty and bad. It may seem like a daunting task. Or perhaps, as I went through this, you maybe checked it off in your head, well, that's not me, that's not me. No, no, it wasn't for that. It was to remind you, this is what the world's
1: lying about you. And you need to persevere and not give up. Don't grow weary in doing well. God's command to be holy
0: is a loving command. It's not an impossible command, because he's given it to you, his people, by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of Holiness and the grace of God. You are asking for more holiness. You are asking for bread. Will God the Father give you a stone instead?
1: No. He's giving you holiness.
0: The fact that you're asking for holiness is an expression of holiness from a heart that is becoming more and more holy day by day. Don't let the world snuff that out. Don't let the world destroy you. No matter how much the world hates you and spews hate at you. Be a holy home no matter what. Be a holy family. Be a holy society, no matter what. And be a holy church. Be holy, no matter what. Let's pray. We thank you, God above, for your call of holiness, the direction of our life, God. Whatever we may be doing as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a brother, as a sister, as a member of a church, as a citizen of society, as a member of a club, to do the right thing, to be holy. To stand firm, to know that Jesus is standing with us and has tread that path before us, Lord. In your name alone we pray.
1: Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all.